Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is moi, TC Gill, IT Labs' Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from the sunny UK, London. And this episode, we are going to talk about learning from Google Engineering and its leadership culture, i.e. what tech leaders can learn from under the covers of Google's tech world. And I guess that's here to talk about that is a fellow Brit, originally from Glasgow, Let's greet our guests from California, USA. Welcome, Paul. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, brilliant. Um, so, one of the things that we've discussed before is is that you're. Uh, so, you're. Where are you in the states at the moment? I'm in California. In California. Excellent. Yeah, but much better weather than your uh, kind of home uh, city, which was Glasgow. I, I, I see. It's uh, it's certainly a bit drier, a bit, bit warmer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and seasons. It's um, you get six to eight months here with just sunlight every day. It gets it gets tiring. Yes, yeah. Have you ever thought of going to going back to Scotland, Glasgow, moving back? So, in the in the um in the long term, we probably don't plan to stay in Silicon Valley. Um, plan to stay in Silicon Valley for those. Um, yes, and um, we, me and my wife, we both love Oregon. Um, and while that's not Scotland, it certainly has the Scottish rain. Ah, right. Yes. So, um, that's kind of similar, maybe, sort of? Yes. Okay. I'll have to look that out. I don't know, I don't know exactly what, what Oregon, uh, Oregon looks like, but, uh, we'll, we'll take a look uh, at that. So, so Paul, you know, in terms of, um, the CTA confessions and the community that we're trying to create, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Oh, I, I work at Google. I am in the systems team, um, the Android systems team, I should say. The Android systems team is responsible for taking the, um, the Linux kernel and producing the, the generic Android version of that kernel. Um, right. So, and I say generic Android version to distinguish that from the, the version that we use in actual devices like the Pixel devices. But the Pixel team takes our kernel and then produces the Pixel kernel from it. Right. So, um, we, so we are producing, a, a, and other companies like uh, Qualcomm or, or Samsung or, or MediaTek, the, the SSC vendors, will also take our kernel. Yes. And then produce their kernels that they then give to the, the phone manufacturers. Right. So we are we are one 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 um, link in the chain that that takes the kernel from the Linux the Linux upstream community and and turns it into a kernel that is used in in end Android devices. Right, giving the flavour for the different kind of manufacturers and, and whatever well, features. The manufacturers give the manufacturer flavour. We we give it the Android flavour. Ah. So yes, um, each person's mixing in their own flavour. That's the right analogy. Yeah, it's like a, a collective cooking session, you know. Um, it's it's a complex process. It's um, it is once when you when you are first exposed to it, it's it's, it's startling in how complex it is. Yeah, getting the kernels to the devices. Yeah, yes. Um, and so, so obviously you've ended up at Google and everybody, I don't know about the audience out there, but 
I know personally, whenever I hear somebody's worked at Google, I don't know, there's this kind of um, uh, heavenly kind of choir kind of opens up and, the, you know, the clouds open and the sun shines. Um, so uh, kind of taking a, a step back uh, in your journey. Um, so what, what's your kind of path been in terms of you, uh, Paul, the engineer that kind of arrived at, at Google? Uh, well, very briefly, I did a maths degree. Um, I decided that I didn't want to study maths for the rest of my life. So I, um, I, I, I taught myself computing and um, oh, wow. got my first job at the Dr. Solomon's um, antivirus software back in the 90s. Um, they were taken over by McAfee in the, in the late 90s. Um, and at that point, I started looking for another, another job. Um, and I found a job in a small company in Silicon Valley. Um, that company didn't progress um, very far, so I, I looked for a new opportunity. Um, found another small company called Sygate, that was a firewall company. Um, I worked there for a couple of years before they were bought by Symantec. Oh. Um, I worked at Symantec for, well, that would be from um, 2007 to 2013. Right. Um, in 2013, um, Google, Google approached me, uh, as they approached many people, um, to ask if I wanted to interview there. And um, I talked to their recruiter, and I, I decided I did want to interview there. Um, I interviewed, I, I actually passed the interview, and I was there at Google. Brilliant, yeah. I, I remember you saying before that, because uh, you did your maths degree at Cambridge, didn't you? Yes, I did my yes. I did maths degree at Cambridge, and then a PhD in Manchester. Wow. Okay. And um, um, I found it quite kind of interesting how the fact that you had a kind of Cambridge degree, uh, you're a Cambridge graduate, actually uh, kind of made you show up on Google's radar. Yes. Uh, so um, what happened was I, I published my resume on, on oh, CV as uh, on, on uh, LinkedIn um, for various reasons, not actually looking for a job. It was primarily to give a recommendation to somebody else and I wish to help in their, in their career search. Uh -huh. um, but having published it there, um, I got a call from a Google recruiter fairly shortly afterwards, um, within a month or so. And the reason it turned out was because, yes, basically they have a, a search on anyone in the Bay Area who, who was at Cambridge. They simply, simply wish to talk to any such person. I mean, cool. Google has a lot of recruiters. Um, it's it's a... They, they draw a big net over the um, field. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, uh, so your initial thoughts when you were kind of called up, uh, headhunted, I'm going to call it headhunting, um, you kind of uh, headhunted by uh, Google. I mean, what was your kind of initial thoughts? Because obviously, uh, again, you know, it's got a brand, it's got a name, it's got a gravitas around it. Oh, I was nervous. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I am... Um, I wasn't at all sure I would pass the interview, and I was—I was, as many people are, I think, not wanting to do something I thought I would fail at, not wishing to to, to be rejected. Um, yes. But um, I realised that was stupid, and thought, well, I should just try this. This is this is foolish not to try." Right. Um, yeah. I guess um, there were two other events at the same time which kind of pushed me towards this. One was um. I was working at Symantec, and Google had bought 
an office just next to the semantic headquarters. Um, and I guess two things happened there. One was that um, Google, Google was building a swimming pool into this uh, complex. And it's like you're watching this and you're looking at our semantic gym with like three pieces of equipment. And you're thinking this. Yes. <laughs> the, the grass really is greener or the water's bluer on the other side of the fence. And it, it's, sometimes it really is. Really? Yes. Uh, and then the second, um, I guess the second thing which made me think was the uh, the CEO, the, the then CEO of Symantec was talking to us uh, and saying that, he, you know, he was going to drive the company forward so that we would be, and we would get into the list of top companies to work for. And you yeah. sort of think, well, yeah, okay, or I could go and work for one of the top companies to work for. It's, right. So, um, nice lateral thinking. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I have to wait for you to make this company great. Or... <laughs> Yes, yeah. And, and they've now, got a pool as well. Yes. <laughs> and Mantec was, went downhill. I, I, they, they were finally bought by Broadcom and split into two. And so that, yeah. that never actually happened. Yes, didn't get um, so quite great. But uh, um, so, I mean, that's, that's quite a nice story. I love the idea of uh, looking over and actually seeing the pool is bluer or the grass is actually greener. Um, so, um, and one of the things I'm curious around, and uh, you, obviously, uh, speaking to you, Paul, uh, you've got a lot of experience. You're you're highly intelligent, if I may say so myself. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, for the audience there, Paul's just kind of rolled his eyes at me. Um, uh, um, so, in terms of you know this podcast, it's obviously targeted at tech leaders, um, and we've spoken before around this. And there was um, you know, I kind of asked the question, you know, did you ever want to be a kind of CTO or a tech leader sort? Do you want to do you want to speak to that? I mean, what was your kind of thoughts on your kind of career? I think everyone, I think, I think almost every young engineer sees management and leadership as the pinnacle. Um, and I, and I wasn't, I was a man, at Solomon's I was a manager. I managed, I, I think it was 13 people around about that number. And I was also, I'm a manager at um, both the companies I worked with after that. And when Symantec took, 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 took um, Sygate over, I was a manager at that point, but I was not enjoying it. There was nothing about being a manager um, that I was enjoying. And that was partly because Symantec had a, had a dual track where they have tech leaders and they have managers. And I realized I was on the wrong track. Wow. But, um, but the manage and the management jobs were the project management, the organization, um, the, the status reporting, uh, task tracking, all the things which I don't enjoy. Yes. Um, so I wanted to be, I wanted to be technical. And I, and I kind of realized at that point that it, there's, there's a certain glamour to being a manager. I mean, perhaps that's a weird way of putting it, but there's, there's a certain prestige or status to being a manager, perhaps is a better way of putting it. Um, yeah. But that's, for me, I actually just, I enjoy technical challenges and Doing the technical challenge is what I'm interested in. Solving technical problems is what, what actually interests me. And it's also what I'm good at. Um, yes. Yeah. And you won't go very far if you're doing something you're not that good at at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. And, and especially if you're not being fulfilled by it. I mean, it sounds, yeah. you know, from our conversations, you lo you love this stuff, you know, you yeah. really do love it. And, that, and that's great, you know, so you give it everything yeah. you can. Um, so obviously, the audience and myself are quite interested in, you know, trying to uh, taking a peek 
peek under the the blanket of Google, you know, and see, you know, what what uh, stories and what uh, wisdoms of nuggets of wisdom we can kind of share with with the audience in terms of how they operate. So, um, so in terms of the company when you joined it, what was the kind of onboarding experience like? How was you onboarded? So okay, um, so the first thing I'd like to say is, is that Google is a company of. I think last time I checked, 170,000 full-time employees and an even wow. larger number of contractors um, over however many countries, certainly multiple sites, um, even within the US, there are many sites. Um, I, anything I say is, is about the 0.1% the, the of Google I've seen, not, not Google as a whole. Um, however, the onboarding process actually, having said that, is, is standardized for all engineers across the company. So all software engineers go through the same process. Right. Um, really, um, I guess the first line is, is that, first of all, I missed half of it because um, we had a health crisis in my family and I had to take two days off that week. Um, right. Sorry to secondly, um, what they teach us, what they teach you in that first week is how to use essentially a source control system at Google 3, which is the source control system used by um, all, all the Google um, services that you think of. However, Android, where I was going to work in, uses a different source control system. So that training was, is relatively useless to the Android engineers. Um, and, since, and since when I joined, they have actually changed the process for Android engineers to be more focused on what Android engineers need. Um, right. There were a couple of um, talks. One was about the search engine, unsurprisingly. And it's, uh, while, while I have nothing to do with Google search, it is still the, the, the cash cow that pays all our salaries. So yes. it's certainly interesting to know about it. Yeah. Um, and then the other talk, which I've never forgotten, was the talk about how to get fired from Google. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's very good. There are basically two ways, um, and amazingly, people can get in, uh, smart enough to get into Google, and then we'll do one of these two things. Um, wow. The two ways you can get fired: one is you can get an email sent to you which says "private and confidential, do not forward," and forward it. That, <laughs> particularly if you forward it outside the company, that yeah. will that will that will certainly lead to. A discussion about your job future. Um, right. The other way you can get into a lot of trouble is any um, any attempt to look at personal data. Um, if if um, I, I, I mean, as, luckily as an Android, well, I, I wouldn't do it anywhere. But as an Android engineer, I have not actually exposed to this stuff at all. But if, for example, you're working on Gmail and you look into the database to look at people's emails for so anything other than strict job functionality. Yeah. We have very low tolerance of that. Um, yeah. we, we, we do have a very high respect for, for individual privacy. It's, it's extremely important for Google's reputation that we do. And yes. we take it extremely seriously. Yeah. Um, so those are the two ways we were told that we could, we would lose our jobs probably on the spot. Um, and I'm pleased to say I've never actually seen that happen, but I, I do believe it. I've heard certainly stories about it secondhand. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great to kind of hear that, uh, that strength of uh, a line drawn uh, saying that you cross this and, you know, you're out. Um, and, and it's really good, good being a, a Google uh, a search engine user, a Gmail user, you name it user. Um, it's good to know that they do really take that data privacy uh, as serious as, as, as you describe, you know, so that's, that's, that's quite, yeah. quite warming. Um, so in terms of uh, the onboarding process for you then, so obviously you had the training and you had the videos and, you know, they do that kind of uh, uh, cookie cutter stuff. So um, once you actually kind of ended up on the kind of shop floor, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. what was that kind of like you were thrown in straight away doing uh, stuff or uh, well, for a particular what product? We do, um, the, the goal for every, well, we, we call people that just started Google, Google Nooglers. Um <laughs> uh, you Googler. Um, yeah. Um, and um, the goal for every Noogler is to get them to make their first check-in. So the um, the idea is that they will their manager will give them a um, a task that has been chosen to be one that is not trivial. I mean, it's not like you know fix this comment or you know rename this variable. It's going to be something which is a little challenging. Um, yes. But not. Um, but, but not unreasonable, and they will be asked to fix this and make a check-in. And the idea is they can do that check-in within a, a, a few weeks of joining a company, sort of just, just to get their feet wet and to get them into the habit of, um, make, of making changes. Wow. Yeah. I bet that's quite a big thing, isn't it? The first, I mean, do they have like bells and whistles and horns and, and stuff that ring out when... Uh... So, not quite, but there's certainly <laughs> a feeling of <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, one thing is that we, we take code reviews very seriously. Um, uh, everything is code reviewed, and um, nothing can be checked in without at least one code review feedback from somebody else. Yeah. Um, so, so making making a change is is is, 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 is convincing somebody who is an expert that your change is actually an improvement, which yeah. makes it which makes it non-trivial. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so. Um, I guess this is the first anecdote. Um, I was given what was a trivial task to do, and it was it was clear enough how it could be done. Um, and however, I felt the task was wrong. I did not think it was a change that should be made. So yeah. um, I essentially, rather than doing what you're supposed to do, which is to get get the change done and checked in. I spent my first month arguing that it should not be done. Cool. Uh, yeah, um, that's, that's quite so great. I to get under the, I managed to get under the wire and not make a, cha- a change for my first, my first two months at Google because I was refusing to make the change they asked me to make. You're right. Um, the change they wanted was, um, yeah, it was to um, separate out the, so, Back in those days, you had the you had the crypto screen, which you um, so when when, it, when your phone when your Android phone was encrypted, it was encrypted. It, was, it used full disk encryption, which meant you had to enter your password, and then it would boot up and you'd enter your lock screen password. Right. And they wanted to make the two different. That was the change I was asked to make. Right. Um, and I said no. This is this is a very bad idea. The only thing that will achieve if we do that is that people will forget their crypto passwords. They'll set it. They won't. They won't. Um, enter it for a week or two, the phone will reboot, and they will never be able to get into their phone again. This is a bad idea. Mm. So. Yes, that's, um, I mean, 
So in terms of standing up to that and, and, and uh, your integrity around what was the right customer centric kind of solution, was that quite tough to, to hold that space for yourself? Not really. I mean, it's, um, I've, never, I've never been afraid of arguing with people. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think there were one or two people that thought I should just get on with it, but mostly people were quite sympathetic to the, to having the arguments and having the discussion. Um, and the project actually segued into making full disk encryption on for everyone. Um, right. This was back in 2013, and well, I don't, I don't, um, I'm sure most people don't remember, but at that point, that was there was a lot of talk about encryption on phones um, and getting phones properly encrypted, and the difference between Apple and Android. And my job was to make it so that all phones were encrypted at all times. Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I actually did. That was the, the real first thing I did. Beautiful. Um, and that was a much, a much bigger change than that, that, that few line change that the other one would have been. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think what I find really warming around the culture that you, uh, obviously respect to you holding to your kind of uh, opinion uh, in service of the company as a whole, but also the fact that the culture of the company was able to allow you to be a, a kind of disruptor, I guess, you know, um, to, to not want to do something, you know, which I think is, is, is I, a very good. I, I've always found Google um, to be very accepting of debates and discussions and challenges. There's, there's um, I, I guess, um, Uh, moving forwards four years, um, the, the, the director of the, of the team I'm in now was, was complaining to me, or complaining to a group of us about a manager from, I, I moved from Android security to Android systems after four years. And so I was in, I was in now in Android systems. Um, and Android systems, this is, this is the kennel, kennel team, it's called Android systems, was having an offsite. Um, so we were up in Lake Tahoe having a beer. Um, and the director was complaining about one of, the, one of the managers that I used to work with in security about how he wouldn't, um, uh, how he was causing trouble for this project they were doing. Um, and I said, well, I, I, I know Chad pretty well. Maybe I can, you know, maybe I should be there to, to help sort this out. So sure enough, we got back from the offsite and a, a week later, we organized the meeting and he presented the project and said, here's what we've been doing. This is, this is my director. And here's, here's the problem. And I sort of looked at him, looked at the, and listened to what he was saying they've been doing. And I said, well, but that's a really stupid way of doing it. Um, right. and I said that you should do it this way instead. And he looked at me and said, and I said, and I said, and by the way, that solves the security problem. And he looked at me and said, you're right. Um, so they've been working on it for several months at that point. Right. Okay. To me, it's just another engineer, no one special. And I said, you're doing this wrong. And he doesn't, he looked at me and, I, and some people, some managers perhaps would look at you and say, you jumped up arrogant to work or yes. something like that. Yes. But he said, no, I mean, I, I actually, when he said, you know, you're right, we've been doing it wrong. I actually thought he was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Right. But he actually said, no, we're, we're going to throw away what we've done and restart it the way you said. Brilliant. I love that. And, 
Um, it, I mean, it, it was so. No, I mean, if, if, if what you suggest is, is is technically a better solution, there will be very little pushback. Yes. Yeah. So that's, this is great to hear. Um, it kind of creates that psychological safety within the organization. Uh, people are able to say what they want to say without having to kind of double think themselves. The energy, I guess, people uh, goes towards actually solving the problem as opposed to managing uh, the kind of, um, you know, not upsetting other people, which is great. So, so in terms of uh, your advice uh, to tech leaders out there around how they can create cultures like that, um, can you kind of uh, maybe kind of give some pointers around how that, that can be uh, brought about in other organizations? Uh, it's not easy. I mean, I think, um, I mean, so Google obviously has a reputation of hiring only the smartest people. Um, I mean, having said that, Google has a reputation, Facebook has a reputation, Microsoft has a reputation, Amazon has a reputation. We can't all be, and we're all massive companies, so we can't all be hiring all the smartest people, clearly. But we, we do, I mean, we, we can afford to pay the salaries that will enable us to take the better, the, yes. the, you know, better engineers. The cream. Um, now, and, and I think that's the first challenge. The first problem is that you have to create an environment where the best people want to work by reputation. So you're not going to get the best people if if you if you the reputation of your company is is that you're a boring place to be. Um, yeah. um, and you and you have to pay the salaries that make that attractive. Um, so that's I mean that's. Obviously, that's a challenge for a company, especially one that's perhaps struggling a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, and and might be somewhat of it was Marissa Meyer who left Google and went to Yahoo, I believe. And I saw, I saw, I, I didn't, I didn't know her personally, obviously, and I, I never. What I did see was she tried to move the Google culture to Yahoo. And one of the ways she tried to do that was by taking a number of, or by, by making it easy for Google staff to go there. Oh wow! And but what I saw was that it was the it was the less good staff. So she was offering Google Google competitive salaries, but the people who were jumping to take those were the people who were not so great at Google. Perhaps. Right. Okay. So just just offering a high salary isn't isn't is by no means a sufficient solution. Yes. So um, yeah. The Google interview is, is very important as part of the process. Um, it is a challenging interview. Um, it's, I mean, I mean, I, I don't need to explain how it works. You, you can, there, there's plenty of books that contain the kind of problems that Google sets in their interviews. Um, uh, one I was recommended to me was a book called Graphing the Coding Interview. Um, right. And I, I don't know whether that, that was that was six years ago, but I guess it's still in print. And if not, there's other books like it. Um, they will give you lists of hopefully not the questions we actually ask, because we spend a lot of time listing questions not to ask, which have been given in public forum. But it's the kind of questions that we ask. Um, yes. And they're, they're, they're programming questions. They are here is a problem. Write the code for this to solve this problem. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, it's. It tests your programming skills. It tests your problem-solving skills. Um, right. 
it, it is by no means perfect. I mean, we spend a lot. We spend a lot. We spend a lot of time discussing it at work, and um, it it picks the kind of person who can understand a fairly conceptually simple problem and solve it quickly. Um, right. Is that necessarily the kind of person who can take an, take a large complex architecture and work out how to extend it in a clean way? And the answer is no. Clearly, there's going to be some overlap, but clearly, those are two different skills. Sure. Um, but if anyone has actually got any suggestions as to how you can test for that latter skill, I, I would love to hear it. Yes. Um, okay. So, so the kind of hiring uh, interviewing process isn't because I mean one of the things that I, uh, from a tech leader perspective, again is around hiring people not only with the right skills but also with the right attitude. You know that, uh, and and also on top of that with the creativity. Uh, maybe innovative, maybe questioning, disrupting kind of thinking. Um, so, how d does the interview process, the onboarding process, have that as a filter? Do they do they look for that? So, um, the, the, the interview is is uh, well, it's, it's typically two parts. You have a phone interview, which is a screening interview, where you'll be asked to do a, a relatively simpler coding problem. Yeah, um, type in the code into a actually into a Google Doc or equivalent, and, and the interviewer will be checking out what you're doing. And they will check that this is correct, and, or at least that it's good enough, and only if you pass that bit will they put you through to the second phase. Right. The second phase is typically five 45-minute interviews on-site, well, until this year. Um, and each and the, the five interviews, typically three coding interviews, one um, systems interview where, where they try to ask systems level questions and one um, what we call a googliness interview which is try to establish whether you have the character um, now the googliness interview is controversial within the company um, right okay because a lot of people doubt that it's actually possible to establish those kinds of properties in a, in a post an interview um I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's not that we shouldn't be trying to do it. It's just that we don't, I don't, but I'm, I'm personally in the camp that says you probably can't do it. Right. You, um, the, the questions become very subjective. One of the nice things about a technical interview is if you set a technical problem, the person produces a technical solution or does not. It's, um, it, it, it's a very clean process. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Whereas the other yeah. side is more kind of um, the human, complex human fuzziness uh, uh, yeah. you know, um, about it. I mean, it, it. It does touch on our values of diversity. I and mean, if you ask a question and you listen to the answer and you write down what the answer was, it, it is colorblind. It is um, blind to everything other than the person's ability to answer that question. And that's right. how it should be. Um, yeah, that's right. There is, there is, there is a problem though, is it tends to select people who have quick minds, and quick minds are not the same as deep minds. There is perhaps you'll, you'll get people who who can solve simple problems quickly, as opposed to perhaps complex problems well. Yeah. Um, I, I know I fall into that first category, so it works for me. Yes. Yes, um, and I do worry that when we are we are rejecting candidates, but I see no solution to the problem. I don't yes. see how you can. Yeah, 
a time bound. They're inevitably time bound. Um, yes. So, so I mean that's got, that's interesting because I I'm I'm very much the other way around. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, the <laughs> I was going to joke. Then the sharpest tool in the box. Um, uh, I'm not a, a fast thinker, but I am. A, I'm very creative and uh, kind of take time and mull things over and chew on them and go down uh, rabbit holes of thought thinking. Um, so in terms of uh, Google not having that, um, I imagine there are people in there that do that. But um, do, do, do they deselect these people inadvertently? Or? It's not that we don't select deep thinkers, it's that our selection process is for the fast thinker. Right, okay. Fast and deep. Yes, yes. We, the people who, um, the Google interview, that it's, it's, it's a nerve-wracking process, so it will perhaps select against people who have an excess of nerves in those situations. It's, uh, yeah. And it's, it's, yes, it's testing your ability to solve problems on the spot, and it's, 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 it's like an exam in that sense. Yeah. In, in exam, you have three hours to solve as many questions as you can. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's that's testing a different skill from what most careers actually want. But we still base a lot of careers on what people do in those exams. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So so um, in terms of uh, the kind of work that you do, uh, I've got a real curiosity around. I don't know why, but bugs. Okay. Because I'd imagine there's a lot of code being written, um, and uh, and obviously bugs are. Uh, it's just a part of writing code really you know there's always going to be errors and uh, misunderstood use cases or misuse cases kind of introduced uh, uh, into the system so um, how, how who's responsible for finding bugs I mean in terms of Google and the and the big set of uh, products that they have so I, again I'm not going to speak for the big set of products they have I'm going to speak for Android yeah um, now one thing that's changed over the last um, uh, uh, seven years since I joined, is the quality of our testing. When, when I joined, it was it was it was surprising that it didn't seem to be that thorough. Um, right. But we now have um, uh, a, a lot of pre so we, we didn't have much in the way of pre-submit testing when I joined. I mean, you could check in and change and just break the build, and the build spent a lot of time broken. Um, we now have a, have a very substantial set of pre-submit tests. Um, so when you, when, you, when you upload the change, it takes an hour or two before that change can be actually submitted. Wow. And there's a lot of back-end stuff going on, um, yeah. testing that change. And, and so by no means all combinations. But the end result of that is that the build is almost always green. So wow. you, can, okay. you can pretty much always at least get the build and run it and do the basic functionality, which was not the yes. case seven years ago. Um, then we have an even bigger set of tests we run um, at various frequencies. Um, uh, and you, so you will get bugs filed against you if you um, uh, if, if one of those tests fail. And um, I remember one, for example, which was a performance test. Somebody had, we do, we do boot time testing. Right. Um, and I had checked in a change and the boot time had degraded. Um, and I know which happens because you know you make a mistake, but in, in this case, the change could not possibly have caused a boot time degradation. It was, you know, it was like it cannot have happened. It was adding a it was adding a file system to the kernel that was not being loaded until long after boot. Right. So the, the simple presence of the file system could not have um, changed boot time. 
Um, but you're always worried. That's my analysis. Am I, am I being stupid? Have I missed something? Yes. Um, but ultimately, it was, it was, it was clear that the, the degradation was actually just, just random. It was just noise. Right. It happened to, to glitch at the same time I made this check-in. Um, okay. But it took me some time to persuade people of that. And I actually had to do some builds and run some tests myself to do that. Yes. Um, and eventually I just, I, I added some comments to the bug saying, um, not my fault. I did, I built <laughs> this and it has not changed and it's random and yeah. close. Um, yes. One, one thing that surprised me was that software engineers can close bugs at Google, which I've not, not seen in previous companies. Right. Um, so it's not a QA team or some, some other kind of overarching. QA uh, team will reopen them at some point if you close them. Right. And they don't appreciate what you did. I mean, it's, I mean, to be fair, you might them fix, but you can also close them as being, as being not relevant or working as intended or whatever. There's all sorts of ways. Um, yes. And actually, there's one other way you can close them, which is that they get closed, they get also closed after a year. Ah. So I have at least once or twice, I've been in an argument with somebody. They, I, I don't want to fix this bug. It's not worth it. You must fix this bug. Okay. And 12 months later, it drops off my plate. Really? Okay. Uh, I don't feel good about that, but sometimes it's... Um, if nobody else is arguing with you, only one person, then yes. it's... Um, and so, so in terms of uh, one person, I, in, the end user does that does that kind of feed into the conversation as to uh, prioritizing what does get fixed? I can imagine there's a lot of data around that coming into. So again, I'm only going to speak for Android. Um, so what, our, our process is that once once your change has got through all this basic testing, it, it then gets pushed out into what we call dog food. Well, actually, droid food. Droid food is the um, we all have, well, most of us in Android have, um, have a droid food phone, which is a recent or even unreleased pixel device, which we're testing. And we're yeah. running the latest builds on, either weekly or daily, depending on how dangerous you're feeling. So they, they do some pre-qualification, but the pre-qualification on the dailies is less than the pre-qualification on the weeklies, for obvious reasons. Yes. So I run a weekly build. Um, some people, you know, including the, um, the, the vice president, um, the senior vice president of Android run the daily, and yes. when, you, when your bug comes from Hiroshi, yeah, that's not great. Yes, right. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you that is a problem. Um, <laughs> so, um, and, and we will be, and that that runs in 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 dog food um, for a while, and then it goes to dog food, which is everyone in Google has the has the potential to be using the phone a phone with that release on it. So okay. all this. Um, so, and then we released the OS and, um, at that point it's kind of done. Right. So we don't really have a, um, once we've released it, I mean, we do security patches monthly. Um, yeah. that was a process which I, I, I didn't, I wasn't influential in it myself, but I saw it being created and it was, um, very bold. It's a, very, it's a very good process to help make our phones a lot better and um, improving uptake of those has been one of our biggest successes. Mm. Um, but realistically, we don't do a lot of fixing after that. These, um, you know, we, we, we tried to get it right first time and, and the, the process of having 
100,000 people within Google running, running the, the platform. Mm. So, and, and then of course the, the, um, the, the vendors, the first of all, the SSC makers, the Qualcomm's and the um, MediaTek and Samsung's are using it in their own processes. And then they'll give it to the, the, well, the Samsung's and the Sony's and so on of this right. world to make the phones. And they will file any bugs they find. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, and we will fix those. I mean, they have a lot of power over us. I mean, they, they are the ones selling the phones that we, we are producing. Yes, um, yeah. Okay. And they will say, so, we, we can't sell a phone with, with this with this problem. We just can't do it. You know, it's going to cause us too much support calls. Yes. Um, just, it's just, we can't, you know, you, you have to fix this. And yes. say, yeah, yeah, well, can we fix it? Um, yes, right. But once it's actually gone out, we're then focusing on the next version. Um, the, the annual release cadence. Um, yeah. So, uh, so there isn't so much. I mean, yes, any bugs found during release will, of course, be addressed, but we really hope there aren't too many serious bugs at that point. Yeah. Um, it's, um, there's a lot of work. It, what, what I'm hearing is that uh, the kind of uh, culture is to kind of uh, do do the right kind of uh, uh, development et etiquette to make sure you don't have that later on the day. You know, it's the quality of what you deliver as opposed to, you know, throw it over the fence and, and see what happens. I think certainly we want to get it above the bar before we before we ship it. We we um yeah we we don't really have a mechanism for pushing out updates after the I mean apart from the annual updates of the new versions. So yeah. it better be good enough when we push it out. Yes, um, that's right. And that's that's what we try to achieve. Um, yes, good. Um, and, and so kind of coming back to the kind of culture of Google, I'm I'm really curious around uh, the the. Um, you know, some companies I've worked for in the past, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure and there's not a lot of kind of headspace for people to do anything other than business as usual or, or that kind of massive backlog of work they got to do. I mean, what's the kind of culture there at Google in terms of uh, pressure? Are they redlining all the time or is it kind of quite relaxed, laissez-faire? And... So again, I, I, I'm here, I definitely want to say that I, I'm only speaking for my team, the two, the two things I've worked in, and I have seen and heard very different comments for other teams. But um, it was in my first year at Google, and there was a bug, and I felt, and it needed to be fixed, and I felt by a certain day, but really, it was, it was, and I said, look, I've got more bugs than I can fix. Um, I, I feel I should work this Saturday. And I, my director said, we're in this for the long haul. This is, this is you know, we're not, we're not working flat out to hit next week's deadline. We're building a sustainable team. We don't work weekends. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's, I, that's uh, a good leadership kind of direction, isn't it? It was certainly, a, I was surprised and very pleased to hear that. Um, having said that, I, I know of teams that pride themselves on working uh, till midnight, many nights. Um, and there were certain teams that I personally wouldn't find the right work-life balance if I were to join them. Yeah. So I, I do not. I, you, you know who they are, and you know I. I yeah. I won't work in those teams. Um, yes. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so, um, so I, as I say, that that attitude of support has been the, been the. We want sustainability. We want. I mean. We we certainly we expect people to be productive and to be producing stuff. Um. And 
I mean, there is pressure. Um, and, and particularly in well, not, not particularly in Android. The, the pressure in Android is that because we do annual releases, you, you either hit the release or you miss the release. Right, so, so the train, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's a train that leaves once a year. Um, <laughs> so, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you suddenly, you feel a lot of pressure on yourself to get your feature into that release. Yes. Because otherwise you have done nothing for that year. I mean, literally nothing. Wow. That's pretty hard going. Have you ever, has anyone ever failed on that one or yourself or? Well, um, I have never failed to get my feature into the, I have never failed to get my major feature into the release. Um, but there was one time when, somebody left and they said, this is almost done. And, and so the manager said, well, Paul, can you just, you know, get it over the fence? Um, it was not almost done. Oh dear. Right. And, um, I, and I, I was working on my, you know, the feature I was working on, I was working on that. And so this other feature, I, I did what I could, but ultimately it was, it wasn't yeah. there. Yes. Um, that missed. Um, there was another feature which I tried to get in. Again, it wasn't my primary feature, but it was a secondary feature I was quite keen on. Um, and I think we failed twice to get it in. So it actually was three years. Yes. Wow. And that was, so, um, so, so this uh, this kind of brings up the question around uh, cadences, you know, and obviously, you know, in the world of Agile, we try to create the tech cadences as, as, as regular as possible. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, um, so... In terms of that, I mean, a year is a quite a long cadence. Yes. No, I mean, and I think, um, I think a lot of people would like to see Android um, updating more frequently. Yeah. Almost everyone except the customers want to see that. <laughs> really? It's, the, it's about the end customer, though, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? I mean, customers... The end users, they do not take, they don't really like updates. I mean, they like the concept of them probably, but an update, it's, it's just in the nature, it's nothing to do with the operating system, it's in the nature of phones and the, and the you know, everyone's phones and the quality of the memory chips and so on and so forth. Every time yeah. you make a major update, there is a risk of the thing failing. Yes, bricking um, something, you know. Yes, and it's it's not... It's not trivial. It's not, it's not a trivial number. I don't. I don't know what the number is. And I don't want to say because I'll get it wrong. And, <laughs> yeah. It'd be too high or too low. Either way, it will sound bad. Yes. Um, I mean, then the second problem is that and I'm sure we've all encountered this: is when you change something and everyone's saying, "Well, the button used to be here. Where's it gone? Where's the button I like to press?" Yeah, the people um, get used to you know that. People get used to things, and and so. We, we we are trying. We, we we would like to work out ways of speeding up and doing more updates on the phone so that we don't get stuck. Yeah. And in fact, I've seen a number of such initiatives started, and um, they have tended to not succeed mm. um, because they get bogged down in quality control issues and just effort. It becomes a lot more effort. I, I, but that being too specific, I don't know if it wants to be, that's obvious reasons. Yes. Um, yeah. The one nice thing about Android is that it is an open source project. Everything we do, 
is visible in open source after we're done. Now, we, we published the open source at the time we um, when we released the OS. So we, so we do, we do have a certain amount of uh, privacy or secrecy around what we are doing for the next release. Mm. But once we've released it, everything is everything is visible. Um, yeah. And you, and you, and you um, and and, and it's, it's surprising how many people actually do study our source code and look through it. Wow. Um, okay. I mean, I, I've had comments I put in the source code um, dissected in the press. I mean, not not the you know, just in some comments in some yes. minor article in Android Police or something. But, you know, there are people out there who are studying what we're doing and, and quite some okay. <laughs> That's funny, um, isn't it? Yeah, that's quite... Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I'm kind of mindful of the time, uh, Paul. Um, so I'd like to kind of ask you... Um, from your perspective and your work within Google and your journey as a whole, I mean, what, what would be the kind of key takeaway that you'd like to kind of offer tech leaders out there, the, the boys and girls kind of leading uh, technology teams? I, I, perhaps the key question would be, do you trust your engineers? If you don't, something is wrong. Um, and if your systems are built around not trusting your engineers, I don't mean not trusting them in the sense of will they occasionally put a bug in the code. Of course they will. We all do. But fundamentally, your systems are designed to to stop your engineers doing their jobs because you're scared of what they might do if they were allowed to have a free reign. Mm. Um, then I think you have a problem. Yes. You want to hire people that you are, you actually you actually. One one of the things I've seen in, in a, 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 many times in my career is here's a process, um, oh, but we must let the most trusted engineers work around this process, because otherwise they're not productive enough. Um, and if that's your thinking, then you are building processes that are deliberately there to slow down your, your engineers. Hmm. And if you're doing that, something is very wrong. If, if what you're saying is if we trusted these people properly, we wouldn't need these processes. Fix the trust wow. problem. Um, yes. You know, yeah, the trust problem may be genuine. Maybe you don't have people you can trust. I mean, I'm not saying the problem is with management here. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I, mean, I guess the problem is sort of management. Management is hiring the wrong people. Yes, that's right. It's that onboarding the right right people, the right kind of attitudes. Yeah. But that's and great. I remember that a previous company. Um, uh, being told we must hire people, we, we will lose the headcount. We do not get people in today. Um, so it's like, well, well, we'll take this guy because because he's there. Yeah. Um, if, if your managers are, are hiring people because they have to, to keep their headcount, not because they found the right person. Yeah, that's. You have that's right. Yeah. And this, this is an interesting one where people are measured on something and the measuring of that, that thing causes uh, odd behavior like that. You know, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, another one I remember was, um, talking about that was unit tests. There was a time when we, we um, again, not at Google, we got measured on how many unit tests we wrote. And that is one that, that, um, we got, we were getting large numbers of classes written which had a get a get variable and a set variable, 
and a couple of tests to, to test set, test the getter and the setter and make sure they did the right thing. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, this is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're really ticking the box. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's ticking the box, but it's not actually uh, creating yeah. the outcome that you want. So um, uh, yeah. thank you for this, Paul. I've, I've really enjoyed this. Hopefully we can have yeah. you on again um, uh, to talk about some other, uh, I've got some other aspects of uh, the kind of looking under the Google Sheets uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, curiosity. So uh, so thank you for your time. That's, that's been, that's been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed that. And, and it's interesting uh, hearing about that, the world of Google, you know, and, and how it works in there. So thank you for your time, sir. Well, thank you. Well, it was great speaking to Paul. I've always wanted to speak to somebody from Google. And this was the first for me. Like many, I'm curious about a company that's that big, that huge. No, that colossal manages to stay so nimble and knock so many gems out on a consistent basis. In short, I loved Paul's insights. So my key takeaways were as follows. Number one, how Google hire people. They feel are right for them. But also the discussion around ensuring diversity of thinking. I, not just wanting people that are fast thinkers. Hmm, maybe there's still hope for me with my creative meandering mindset. And secondly, how the onboarding process gets people going. And finally, my third takeaway was the importance of trusting your engineers. We in leadership always talk about it, but are we always walking the walk? So how about you? What were your key takeaways? And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to IT Labs webinar series. URLs for that can be found on the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, support and nurture a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about the services IT Labs provide, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge, not forgetting that. So that's all, folks. Look after yourself and look after each other. Wishing you all a great day or evening wherever you are in the world from everyone here at IT Labs. Live well and prosper until we meet again on the next episode of CTO Confessions Podcast.